Blog Talk Radio. This man is a doctor, this man is a doctor. Yeah, this man is a doctor. Oh, and it comes on in. Always good to have the doctor come on in. Of course, he's a motivational speaker, community activist, and media personality, telling it all, all the time, telling the truth. He's Dr. Lee Bell. And, Doc, uh, Merry Christmas to you, and I hope uh, your holidays have been well, and a Happy New Year to you early. Well, thank you very much, L.A. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and the best in the new year for you, your family, and your listeners. Absolutely. Doctors in the house. Doc, I wanted to have you on this this, this evening. And, um, you know, so much has happened um, in our communities. I mean, if you just look at those who we lost, we we the new term is rest in power. I mean, some of the notable uh, black people we've lost. Um you know, and, and sports and otherwise, you know, the, uh, if you didn't, it, you know, and then, of course, we've lost people um, to, you know, fatalities, um, fatal deaths, COVID, law enforcement uh, killings. Um, it, it's, it's just, this has been probably the most, or I'm asking you, has this been the most sobering the most uh, somber, um, yet maybe a glimpse of hope with some things coming out of it. Assess the year uh, from that standpoint. Well, L.A., let me say the year has been hell in a handbasket. As you intimated, we have had some very notable people and energy that has been transformed and died this year not to mention those who have succumbed to the coronavirus, but also the ills that are inherent in our community. Racism, injustice, genocide, and we could add a lot more to that list. But it's been a very challenging year, to say the least. Challenging indeed. And as we put this 2020 to bed, we are encouraged by our ancestral parents to keep our eyes on the prize. We look back to see the grace that we've witnessed in our lives, and we look forward in faith. All is not lost in the year 2020. I did see a very humorous meme that that will take you back to your youthful days, I'm sure. There was a bottle of spirits, and the label simply said, MD 2020. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just been, I don't even know what the, the, the term is in terms of, um, how bad it's been, how remarkably bad it's been. Doc, have we learned as a people in not just, you know, strength in numbers, it does take a a village to raise a child, 
you know, th- those are those are old um, um, terminologies we've heard, you know, um, you know, uh, over the, the the time that we've been here in this country, going way back to the Middle Passage, just understanding that. But have we learned from the increase of deaths due to law enforcement uh, that's been polarized through social media. Um, the four plus years we've had to deal with the guy who's currently occupying the White House and the rhetoric that takes place, the the venom that uh, came to more surfaces, if you will, from that. Uh, are we getting better at understanding that coming together in your opinion you're always going to have the Stacey Dash and the 50 Cents and the Steve Harveys and all these people who have an agenda the Clarence Thomases that that, they're always going to be in our race but are are we doing better to understand that we can do better if we stick together and put forth an agenda that's going to be a policy that's going to help our, our communities L.A., enthusiastically, I can say, yes, I believe we have learned that lesson, but the proof will be in the pudding. In the last few months, we have had some very great gains, if you will, people coming out to protest some of the injustices that we suffer on a daily basis, not only black and brown, but even other ethnicities. They have come to the table, and my hope is that there is a jail there that can keep the momentum moving forward. We have some challenging days ahead, without a doubt, but arm in arm, moving forward with a conscious, moving forward with a conscious, deliberate goal. I believe we can build on the gains that we have had, but the next coming months will truly be a challenge. And if we can get through those months, I believe we will once again see a government for the people, by the people, and undoubtedly benefiting the people. Just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Lee Bell, motivational speaker, media personality, and community activist, uh, a dominant figure in, in its own right. Uh, here on the Vassar News Radio Show on the Vassar News Radio Network, WCOM uh, in Chapel Hill and Carborough. Um, uh, Dr. Bell, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, this arm-in-arm, uh, you know, coming together in that in that realm. We've seen the John Lewis's that, that passed on and, and what he meant uh, in his day and even in today's day, but this this young movement is is different, and in a sense that we haven't seen it since John Lewis was a young guy marching and you know at Washington uh, the the I have a dream speech there with with Dr. King you know nineteen twenty year old kid we haven't really seen that in some decades Doc it, we we kind of got away from it and I blame um, elder people who are older, myself included, where you could teach some other people and maybe we aren't doing enough of that. These young folks don't, they ain't trying to hear nigger. You're not trying to run them over. 
you you're not gonna they go they ready to lay it down. So it, how do we bridge that? Because we still have you understand that, Doc. You you're one of the, the few people on, on you know that have to you feel you have to kill them with your mind, um, kill them at the ballot box and all those things. But you do have a vocal, not angry, militant young people, but a vocal um, young people that are vocal and they get, yeah, I got to get politically connected as well, but we're going to be on the streets. We're going to do it by any means necessary. So how do you bridge those old heads that think, well, you need to tone it down and why are they burning down this and why are they doing that to this new movement that uh, young people understand if I'm not in the streets, guess what? I could be on social media every time a cop kills somebody, every time the guy occupies the White House, does something uh, against us, every time legislation goes by, I'm putting that on social media. That's my way of protesting. That's, I, I don't have to be in the streets. I could do it that way. So how do you bridge all that together, old and the new? L.A., I believe that it requires a coming together, a give and take on both ends. From the, I'll call us old heads, we have, <laughs> to, we have to be strategic in what we do. We have to allow the new leadership to emerge. Also teach. And from the new leadership, we have to get their hearts and their minds. I believe the young energetic leadership is in peril of burning themselves out. From us old heads, we can hopefully temper their energy, highlighting the fact that this is a long-distance race. True change comes over time. Right. You mentioned the late John Lewis. He had been in the civil rights arena for a long time. And it takes that steadiness to truly get lasting wins. And I when I say that I think about the white folk who waited over fifty years to turn back some of the gains that we previously had won. We have to develop that same doggedness, keep our focus, keep our shoulders to the wheel, and learn to play chess as opposed to checkers. Dr. King and his compadres, they made significant changes in our world because, in part, they changed some laws. You can't legislate a man's heart, but you can outlaw hate. And if we think about building movements, the foundation has to be a solid foundation, and solid foundations are not built overnight. We can learn from those soldiers who have gone on to glory, read about them, study some of their tactics, 
read as much as you can on what they endured and how they endured. When we think about the young energy, the new emerging leadership, my thoughts automatically go towards the Black Panthers for self-defense as well as Malcolm X. They were firebrands. They had that great energy, but they're no longer with us. So there's some things that we can use and find looking at other people's stories and other people's histories. And that has got to be paramount for us as we venture into 2021. You know, Doc, you you, you touched on a, a, a lot of points. Um, it'll be interesting to see the compromise um, because with all due respect to us 50-plus, let's say, um, maybe 40-plus, 40 45, um, we could be some hard heads. And and a lot of us, I know myself, I, I think about myself, I raising kids. You know, I, you know, you, I don't want, you know, I know you, you know what's best, but I really don't want to listen, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting how that dynamic works out in this Biden administration moving on. Speaking of which, we talked about, or at least I mentioned, we always had the the Judas, you know, the the um, Uncle Tom's and you in our our race, and and always have been doing the work of the master. Well, some of our allies we have to be careful with moving forward too, and this is not anything new. Um, you know, you know. Dr. King warned about the the moderate, you know, I think we need to worry about the quote-unquote liberal right or progressive white because um, you you get situations where some people deem that they are until they can fall back on their whiteness. I mean, no disrespect to, to, I'm not saying everybody, but um, that seems to be an issue. And the other part of it is Democrats still, you know, playing deadly politics, you know, even I'm sure in the Biden administration, whether let's just say they don't win the two Georgia seats and take back the Senate. So you got the Senate. So you got Mr. Magoo, AKA Mitch McConnell still in charge. Um, and then you have Nancy um, Pelosi in the House. Uh, and and there's going to be those inner battles there. Um, it, even with, Doc, with the, the COVID relief, you know, the, the, the guy occupying the White House, you know, he wanted to increase the thing to 2,000. Congress went along with it. Knowing that Miss McConnell is going to veto it, and see that's the kind of thing that I concern myself about because they know it's not going to pass. So don't start those games. I know. I mean, they all play games. I'm not saying they don't, but if they're going to play the same kind of games with people's lives, people hurting, you know, Flint, all over places, all over the, the urban areas, poor whites. Blacks, Hispanics, everybody need the money, unemployed, um, can't pay their bills. If you're going to play the same game as Mitch McConnell, then that doesn't make you any better. 
And that's what Biden's going to have to be concerned about. And that's what, you know, the Dr. Bells and, and, and other leadership that I, I respect and hope will put pressure on the administration and, and the Congress to do the right thing. Well, L.A., I truly agree with you. I most often use the analogy when I refer to white liberal Democrats. I spell that with three Ks because I believe ultimately that that Democrat playing a dual game, not necessarily representing the black, brown faces in their districts, but the ultimate goal is to keep white right for convenience sake they'll put a D before their name but if you want to find out how progressive and liberal somebody truly is let them legislate reparations let them legislate equal education let them educate community reinvestment dollars. A question for you, how can you get community reinvestment dollars when there are no banks in your neighborhoods? When number 45 started the enterprise zones, they were originally supposed to enhance the lives of the urban dwellers, us. So if that's the case, how does the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers move to Detroit and benefit from the enterprise community? Last time I heard, Detroit was the nation's blackest and poorest city. Are there no black entrepreneurs in Detroit that should be benefiting from those dollars and that legislation? So we as activists, we're going to have to put on multiple hats. If you are not physically able to be out in the streets, secure the phone numbers emails of those folks that are representing you locally, statewide, and on the federal level. Coming out of this 2020, it's all hands on deck. People need to find out what their talents are, where their passions lie. There's a role for everybody as we seek to make this a more perfect union. And start grooming your children for the fight that's happening now and the ones that are coming. Because number 45 and his minions aren't going away quietly. And he's going to make a ton of money, too, um, with uh, Newsmax being a competitor of Fox and, you know, that, that type of thing. And you, I, I just I, – you are always spot on, Doc, um, with this. Um, 
all that money that was supposed to go is either um, just white folks helping white folks. There's a lot of nepotism going on in these communities. There's a lot of I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know, they don't we don't look like them. So let's keep them out of the club. And, and and that's where we have to be engaged. We have to be engaged. With that money coming in, wh- where's the money going? Put it out there. Use the press. Be on. Be on it. Um, the 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 fact is, we don't have staying power. I was watching a movie, and it's truly correct, Doc. It, we've gotten better, right? But you know, two things. You know, Chris Rock had said before, you know, if you want to hide something from black folks, you put it in the book, number one. Number two, the movie was a, it was based on, you know, it was, it was a fictional, but it's really true life. The a kid got shot, come from a nice neighborhood, driving a nice car, did all the things he, he, was, he was supposed to do, license registration. They asked for him to reach over there and get his seatbelt off. He moved too fast. They shot him. And we had the, the the pastor and telling people, you know, you know, justice, no peace, people ready to protest. And the white mayor said, just wait them out. Wait them out. Just wait. They'll get tired. They'll get frustrated. They'll go about their busy lives, you know, which is another setup. And it'll go away because well, they organize. Well, we get angry. we get angry. They organize when something happens yeah. in their community. At the start of the Flint water crisis, the emergency manager basically uttered those very same words that you just shared with us. Give them three days and they'll go away. We yeah. have to find a way to look at the long game. Fast food will kill you. If you have the option, get that Sunday dinner that was probably started Saturday night. You have to be in it to win it. And for the youngsters as well as some of the old heads, we have to constantly remind ourselves that freedom is not free. That's right. Like the hamburger man used to say with Popeye, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Doug, two things before you go. COVID obviously is the the story of the year because it affected so much. It brought out so much. It killed so much. It showed so much. It reflected so much um, and brought some people together so much. Uh, So that's the real story. But if you could think of one positive story maybe that came out of this year that we maybe would have hope. I want to end on some hope this year that we would have hope going into 2021. What would it be? Well, I think the first piece I would have to say that I would celebrate the election of Kamala Harris as the vice president elect. I think that in itself holds a lot of hope for our communities. And at the same time, we have to work to support 
what it is we need. We have to go to her and the other powers to be and impress upon them that we have some not only needs, but we have some demands. And I continue to say I believe the failure of the Obama administration. I believe the president thought we would have his back as a community organizer. I believe that he believed just by osmosis, community organizers from coast to coast would do just that, organize and bring a people's agenda to him. That did not happen. So we should learn from that, and we should be ready January 20th of 2021, ready to let our needs and our demands be known. And as I said, this is going to be a long walk. So we should be prepared to do the walking, the teaching, the organizing. So when I say Amen hope, LA, I, so when I say hope, I'm not talking about a gleeful hope. I'm talking about a hope where we take it to the powers to be. It's time out for folks getting elected and not doing anything more than fattening their pockets or their friends' pockets. And that can only happen if we are determined, if we are single minded about where we're going. Totally agree, Doc. Totally uh, agree. Um, Doc, listen, I, I just want to say thank you for all you've done this year. and you, I mean, you've been doing this even before this year with us. And thank you. Uh, I know it's been tough for you and Flint and you personally, and I'm, I'm glad you're here. And we'll just keep it at that. You know, I'm glad you're here and you're you're okay. And um, God bless you, man. You enjoy your time. um, And uh, I will talk with you on the other side in 2021. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, L.A., for all of your support. And thank you for allowing me to hang out in the bachelor pad. Appreciate you. This man is a doctor. This man is a doctor. Yeah, this man is a doctor. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Advance to all of you out there listening. You're 
doing anything else. We really appreciate you checking in this evening on the show. I want to bring in my guest. Always good to have the doctor in. He's a syndicated talk show host, best-selling author. Please do check out his work. Uh, he is Dr. Wilma J. Leon. And, Doc, you haven't been on in a minute. I, I, I'll, I'll take my checks back. That's all right. We'll, we'll work with you. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, and I hope all is well with you and your family in this COVID time, sir. All is well. Uh, thank you for asking. Same to you and to your audience. Good evening. Happy New Year. And uh, what's happening, folks? Doc, I, I want to touch on the the – well, let me start with the races in Georgia and get your perspective. You're a political scientist just to knowing the data and, and what's going on. I, I think that, you know, Democrats are energized. Stacey uh, Abrams should be holding the presidency herself. I might be exaggerating, but what she's done in terms of mobilizing that redneck state and it's been redneck for a long time. Uh, I know a lot of, you know, people have come from other areas, more progressive people and things of that nature, similar to other southern states, but it has been. Now you have this these these runoffs. Um, if first of all, if they had really, if they hadn't tried, Democrats had tried the D Triple C. I mean the DSCC tried to win Mitch McConnell's seat or some other seat. I, I Lindsey Graham. I I thought no chance. I know this brother was good. No chance. If they didn't invest all that money in some of these other places. And maybe it got behind these two candidates in the beginning. Would they not be in runoffs now? And if 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 so, well, if if and the second part of the question, I guess, was going to be like, basically, what are you hearing on the ground on there in terms of who has a slight edge and who you think are going to win? Are, are they both going to lose? They both going to win? One or the other? What are you hearing? Well, to the first part of your question, I don't think that the Democratic Party putting more money into those races uh, during the uh, November 3rd election would have made a difference because they had to go to court to, to deal with the voter suppression tactics that went on during the general election and that they tried to implement during the runoff, and, it, and ironically, Stacey Abrams' sister is the federal right. judge who um, told them, told basically told the Republicans that you can't uh, remove, um, you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand people from the voting rolls. And and what people have to understand is the basis upon which that was done was the allegation that the people that they were removing from the rolls had moved out of the county. And what was proven was that the people hadn't moved. And that not, not only had the people not moved, but the Republicans hadn't even used the proper sources to determine whether they had moved or not. Basically, they lied. They just flat out lied. They perjured themselves. So, no, I think that the uh, voter suppression tactics that were put in place, um, the Republicans accomplished, well, they didn't win. But um, so now, now to, your, to your second part of the question, 
honestly, I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be because I'm I'm hearing that the um, that the that the the younger voters out there are still active. Uh, it's going to be incredibly incredibly close. But I'm hearing that there are a lot of motivated young folks that are out there uh, uh, pounding the pavement and trying to turn this thing around. And um, so, I, honestly, I it, it really depends on who you ask. Uh, a lot of folks I hear say there's no chance. I hear a lot of other folks saying, well, that's because you don't have your thumb on the pulse of, uh, of, 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 of the community. And so, I, I, so I honestly, I don't know the answer to the question uh, in terms of what the results are going to be. When you, it, my concern is it, uh, the Republicans and other, you know, conservatives that would normally go Republican across the board and, uh, decided not to vote for the guy occupying the White House because they did want some balance. So they, they vote for Biden. But the concern is like, whoa, wait, we don't want to go too far and go Democrat with senators. So maybe the, the, do you see that as a um, a narrative, not just in Georgia, but like in, in Republican Republicans that tend to go, they may vote president for um, as a Democrat, but stay Republican with the House and the Senate. I, I, yes, that that's that's happening, particularly in the November, or that has happened, particularly in the November third election, because uh, Trump was just so noxious, so awful, so horrific that he, he even turned off uh, a lot of white Republicans, but they didn't turn away from the party; they turned away from him. So to right. your point, uh, they. Either they did not vote the top of the ticket and voted down ballot, or some did vote for Biden and then voted Republican down ballot. Um, yes, that's. But let me let me quickly to this say I'm not sure that the Democrats really want to win those two seats in in Georgia. Mm, Be- interesting, because. If they win the Senate, now they got to deliver. Right. They can't. They can't blame. Uh, they can't blame divided government for their inability to deliver on a number of things that Joe Biden campaigned on, and by the way, now is already backtracking on some of some of the campaign promises that he made. Um, I, I don't think that the uh that the that the that the elite the democratic elite I don't know that they want the Senate because what are you gonna do with Medicare for all? What are you gonna do with uh tuition and um you know college uh uh tuition costs and all you know, so many things that the progressive part of the party not only the party, but the country wants, but the democratic elite, they don't want to deliver. So I think they would be very happy to lose one or two of those seats. Otherwise, 
you got to put up or shut up. That's really, really interesting. I, I, I mean, oh, in fact, let me, people in fact, let don't me quickly, realize let me, to those wait, wait a minute, to those to those who are saying, "Oh, Wilmer, you're tripping." Let me let me tell you why I'm not. Look at what happened. Look at what they did to Bernie Sanders today. Was it today or yesterday? Today, as Bernie Sanders was trying to hold back the vote, the Senate vote on the NDAA. The National Defense Authorization Act. Bernie said, "I we're not we're not going to vote on this thing until Mitch McConnell, you agree to put the two thousand dollar check bill on the floor of the Senate for a vote." Forty one Democratic senators voted against Bernie Sanders on the NDAA deal. Mm. So, folks, I ain't tripping. I'm telling you the truth. They didn't want Bernie to run for president. They'd rather lose with Biden than win with Bernie. Bernie was the basically the lone soldier out there trying to hold trying to hold court on that two thousand dollar deal and for a minute, for a for a for a fleeting moment, I thought Bernie Sanders might be able to pull it off. But no, the Democrats abandoned him. That's why I'm telling you they don't want that business because then they're going to have to deliver and they don't want to deliver. Tell me I'm wrong. They don't, they don't want to deliver. Absolutely not. You're, you're not. And and I made the point um, previously that look what they're, how they're playing the politics with the COVID relief bill, relief bill with the, with the stimulus and all that, it, you know, you know, the the man occupying the White House said he wanted two thousand dollars, but he knew that Mitch Magoo, aka Mitch, Mitch McConnell, wasn't going to um, allow that to happen, and so did the Democrats. But what did the Democrats do? They vote for the two thousand, and they know it, it's it's they know it wasn't gonna go. It's not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And if they're going to play with people's lives, with with politics like that, imagine what they're going to do, like you said, if they have hold all three branches um, in, with the uh, Biden administration. On that 2000, look, when, when, the, when the Senate approved the $990 billion deal, with all this is one instance where Donald Trump was absolutely right. We can question his motives. We can question his motives. Because we know he's not thinking about the American people, he's only thinking about himself. But this was the instance where Donald Trump was was correct. The bill sucked. There's no question about that. Six a six a paltry six hundred dollars isn't gonna do anything. And all of the pork that was in that bill. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer came out and told us it was the best deal they could get. It wasn't true. They didn't fight for nothing. They didn't fight for anything. I was saying back in July that they were going to fold on this deal. And they folded on the deal. And then when Donald Trump comes out and says he wants $2,000 for everybody, now all of a sudden Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are running around, hey, we need $2,000, we need $2,000. Why didn't you fight for that before? Why didn't you fight for a clean bill? 
why didn't you fight for a clean bill? That $990 billion deal came out of the democratically controlled House. Right. They're just as guilty for turning their backs on the American people as Mitch McConnell is. And they came out and tried to sell us that as though it was some kind of fabulous deal. Oh, it was a fabulous deal if you work for Raytheon. It was a fabulous deal if you, uh, uh, you know, for tax breaks. It was a it was a fabulous deal for everybody except those who truly needed their government to stand up and take care of them. Six hundred dollars. Come on. Right. What are you gonna do? With it? I mean, what are you gonna do with that? You know. Now, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. I understand that. But in the greater, is that gonna is the six hundred dollars gonna stop you from being um, evicted from your apartment? No. Is six hundred dollars going to bring you uh, current on your credit card debt that you've had to increase because you lost your job? No. Is it going to make your car payment? Maybe one month, but you're already behind. So is it going to bring you current on your car payment? No. Is it going to bring you current on your mortgage payment that you haven't been able to pay because you lost your job because of COVID? No. So they they tried to sell us that. Let's get this done, and then we'll do another deal once Biden. Look, folks, you were telling us that back in May when you right. didn't go big enough in May. Man, they're useless. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we'll talk with Dr. Wilbur J. Leon III, of course, here on the Bachelor News Radio Show and the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, Carborough. Uh, Doc, when you look at the man occupying the White House and the damage that he's done and the enablers that allowed him to do it, including um, the Democrats, where are some of the most worst places in terms of um, – the politics of it, the policies, foreign affairs, you know, social uh, ills and, and different things, uh, law enforcement, whatever. What are some of the worst places that a Biden administration and, 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 you know, the leadership moving forward are going to have to rebuild? Wow. Well, let me see. If you mean, are you asking me actually tangibly locations? Or do you mean? No, I mean like uh, I mean like uh, foreign policy. I mean oh, like wow. you know building those relationships. You know domestic things, uh, all, all kinds. You know the the economy. Okay. What's the the worst places we have to rebuild from this point? Well, the, domestically, it's going to have to be the healthcare system, and it, which isn't which which isn't really a system, which is part of the problem. And what I mean by that is. They, you know, the the government talks about COVID vaccines that have been allocated, but they can't get the vaccine into the arms of enough Americans because they don't have a delivery system. So that's a huge problem. Uh, from a foreign policy perspective, China what they're what they're trying to do to China is criminal. 
and the the European Union and China today just signed an investment deal where the EU and China are going to be investing in a number of things, cloud uh, storage and electric cars and all kinds of things that the European Union, um, primarily motivated by Germany, I think, has signed this uh, uh, investment deal. And it's not a trade deal. It's an investment deal, which to me is very, very significant. They're signing that with China. And and they signed the deal against the request of the United States to wait until Joe Biden came into office. The European Union, now that Britain is out of the EU, America's lap dog in Europe, is out of the EU, the EU has moved forward and signed on this deal with China. And and again, the U.S. didn't want them to do it. They're thumbing their noses at us saying, we're done, basically. We're done with y'all. Bye, Felicia. We're done with y'all. Um, what it is, what, they are doing everything they can to start a war with Iran, which is a huge, huge, another huge mistake. Israel is telling the United States that they don't that that they don't want us to get back into the JCPOA with Iran. Huge man, there are so many things that uh, that that the Trump administration has done. All of this foolishness about Russia hacking and all of that garbage that all those lies that they keep telling us about Russia and all those lies that they keep telling us about China and they keep telling us about Iran man it is it there's it there's you you would need a 4 hour show for us to to break that stuff down <laughs> i mean just you know just just, what, totally inept just man. Lie. totally inept yeah yeah totally and, inept. and when you you look at the the Biden administration again, you and I that he wasn't certainly our candidate, um, but he won. So uh, and he's you know I'm paraphrasing black you know African Americans or black people. You have my back. I'm gonna have yours. How much can he live up to that? And what does that even look like, uh, Doc? Because I don't even know what that looks like. He really didn't put forth a plan. So what does it look like? Kamala Harris looked apart. Uh, just like Barack Obama, Stacey Abrams didn't look, you know, she ain't smooth over the edges, but she would have been better than if you're going to pick a woman, I would have picked her. So you go with Harris and I wasn't happy with that. So what is helping? I got your back look like in a, a Biden administration. Well, let me ask you this. And let me ask all of you listening, turn, turn around. And is Joe Biden got your back? Is he, is he back there? No. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't look like anything because we haven't demanded anything. There you go. So we we haven't. So so when when Clyburn, you know, we know oh, Joe and Joe God. knows us, and then yeah. and then Clyburn yeah. comes out when when Biden isn't appointing enough people of color to head uh, cabinet slots, then uh, Clyburn wants to tell us. Oh well, uh, I'm very disappointed in uh, what I've seen. Wait, dude, you didn't demand anything, Negro. You, you said he was an honorary black man anyway. Now you gonna talk that stuff? You didn't <laughs> demand anything when you had the opportunity. When his campaign was in the nosedive, and they turned to you 
to pull him out in South Carolina, you could have said, okay, well, here are the conditions under which this is going to happen. And here is what you're going to say on the stage as I stand next to you. And if you don't, I'm going to call you out for the liar that you are. He didn't do that. But now he wants to stand there with his finger in his ear. I'm quite surprised and disappointed that I didn't get that he's doing what he's doing. That's a good Clyburn uh, impersonation, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So, so So then the head of the NAACP and the Urban League, they go public with how disappointed they are. And I was really surprised, pleasantly, that they went public and they said what they said. But then the audio from the call gets released and you hear Joe Biden talking to them like my dad used to talk to me, you know, when I dented his car and <laughs> backing it out of the garage. But here's the thing. Yeah. I wasn't disgusted as much with Joe Biden. That was Joe Biden being Joe Biden. That was Tom Thurman's buddy, Joe Biden. That was anti-busing, Joe Biden. That was crime bill, as uh, Branko Marcetich calls him, yesterday's man. That was Joe Biden, yesterday's man. I was disgusted with the folks on the phone that sat there and took the whipping. That's who... I'm disappointed in Al Sharpton. How are you going to sit there on the phone and let that man talk to you like that? Kamala Harris, how are you going to sit there and let Joe Biden talk to black leadership like that and say, hold up, partner, hold up. It ain't that kind of party. We brought you here. And if we turn our backs on you now, we'll take you out. You can't win without us. But they sat there on their hands, and they took that whipping. That's who I'm – and they didn't demand nothing in the process. Yep. You know, I came in the house house when I was a kid. I came in the house when I was a kid, and, you know, uh, uh, Daddy, Jimmy hit me. Well, did you hit him back? No. Well, then one of two things. Either I'm going to hit you or you're going to go out there and you're going to hit him back. Don't come back in here crying and and telling me you didn't defend yourself. You're going to have to defend yourself against him or you're going to have to defend yourself against me. Now, you go ahead and pick your poison. Your your moms and my moms, uh, they were on the same pit. What you do? Did you hit him back? (laughs) You better because I should shoot. You know. You know how moms be doing that. And you look at all silly like, well, you know what happened was Go get go get me a switch. That's what and and one time I got I, I got bold and came back with a little twig. She said, Oh, right. my mother used to do the rest move, like, oh my god, like she pointed the ears like the crowd, like, Oh, you just did what? You did oh, 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 you're going to try and play me. Oh, okay. You're going to try to play me. That's right. Oh, my God. But no, man, quick that, that was go. just... Go ahead. Oh, wait, 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 and one, one more quick point about that audio. I wonder who leaked the audio. I think... Now, I don't know this, but it wouldn't... Let me put it this way. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody from the Biden camp leaked the audio 
so that the Lincoln Republican white folks that were backing Biden would know, oh, he didn't he didn't fold to the Negroes. Oh, he stood up right. and he told the Negroes what we need the Negroes to know. That wouldn't surprise mm. me. It wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, you know, I, I was going to get into, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I was going to get into why um, we uh, continue to, uh, it's too deep, but the mindset of, you know, Biden's just this nice, you know, old white gentleman. He don't make, he, he's got a gaffe. You know, it's just a gaffe. And he's a Democrat. And just like North Carolina people think you, you know, you born with a basketball when you come out of your mother's womb. You know, when we black, when we come out of our parents' womb, our mother's womb, we Democrats. So we got to give him a pass. He's a he's a nice Democrat. He's an older white guy. He says all the nice things, Dr. Leon. Come on. He can't be. He can't be a racist. He can't be a racist. And he can't be a bad guy. You know, he can't be any of those things because he's a nice white Democrat who worked with Clinton, you know, the first black president who played the saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show. And, you know, it just kind of goes on and on. And I don't know if we need to have those those type of mentalities in our in our communities die off, quote unquote, or it's just got to be some fundamental mindset change or, or political change to to get people to understand. You know, you have to vote for your policies. Policies don't have a color. Policies is the policies that you believe in, and that's going to help you and your community and your family. Not Democrat. And those other guys on the other side. You're absolutely right. And, you know, it, I think it really comes down to something that uh, Coretta Scott King said, shoot, uh, back in 1968. Struggle is a never ending process. Freedom mm. is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. We have lost the understanding that it's really about the fight and the struggle. Right. And we've, we've lost, you know, this whole thing about the squad trying to force Nancy Pelosi to bring um, Medicare for all to the floor of the house for a vote. And one of the fears is, well, what if we bring, bring the, bring it to the vote, bring it to a vote and we lose. Well, okay. You lose, but you have gone on record and you've forced people to go on record and then you know how from there to continue your fight. So we ha- we don't we we are we are more concerned about being liked than we are about being respected, let alone feared. And so, hardly any of those folks that we have in so-called positions of so-called leadership, they aren't fighters. They've been co-opted. They are competitors. They are the competitor class. They are the uh, black misleadership class, and they're not taking us anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Doc, final question. You know, COVID was obviously the story of the year. It just affected everything and all the everything around it. But give me, if you can, a positive story or positive something that may be positive that you can put your hat on that would be going into 2021. Something good. We're still here. Mm, amen. 
Struggle is a never-ending process. Freedom is never really won. You earn it and win it in every generation. We are still here. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it since you're here? May I suggest, go down swinging, at least. Let them know they were in a fight. Let them know. You may not win. You may not. You come at me. I may not win, but you're going to know you were in a fight. That's all I got. Mm. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you on the other side. Same to you, Doc. Listen, and uh, I just appreciate you. I respect you. Um, And God bless you, man, you and your family. And like you said, we're still here. Let's keep being here and let's continue to do what as we do. Ma- but as the mayor said, do the right. As the mayor said, do the right thing. Always do the right thing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Doc, I love <laughs> you, man. Thank you so much, sir. Love you too, buddy. Take Appreciate care. Appreciate you. Out. All right. Take care. Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough, North Carolina. I'm your host, L.A. Bachelor. Hope you had a good Christmas, and we hope that 2021 is certainly going to be something different uh, in the most positive ways we pray uh, that has been in 2020. I want to bring in my guest. They are two of the most respected people that I appreciate. I'm not just saying that because they they air their broadcast on the network, but just uh, just two guys that I really respect. Two two brothers, keeping it real, doing their thing. Um, they are co-hosts of the show You and the Law, which airs on Tuesday evenings, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, at six four six nine two nine zero one three zero, and you can listen to the rebroadcast at our website, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. Uh, anytime you want to listen to their show, you go to their, their homepage, click and listen and enjoy law enforcement information that you need. Their Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Swag Humphrey. Brothers, uh, Merry Christmas to you, and um, uh, Happy New Year before the time. Happy New Year to you. Well, same to you, L.A., man. We feel the same about you, brother. We feel the same about you. Like, Likewise, Listen, we, we, L.A., man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, we, we love you. We, we appreciate you. I, get, I, I still get feedback from, from uh, Tuesday's show. Um, you guys touched on, you know, 2020 in your show this past week, this past Tuesday. Want to kind of stay on that lines and, and go a little further. Uh, I mean, rest in power, so many people. Um, but I want to start with you, Swag, because a lot of times, 
you make sure, and I think it's important to to, to make sure that people um, understand that the negativity, the issues that may happen with law enforcement across the country, albeit might be some law enforcement says, oh, it's only a small percentage, but it's still happening, right? Uh, it it tends to happen um, at a blink of an eye, it seems, from what we see that the civil people's, you know, the, the civil community sees. Um, and it also, uh, Chief, it seems to happen not just in black and brown communities, and I'm one of those, so it's very important to me because I got kids and I ain't trying to have them walk out and get shot down by a cop, a bad cop at least. Um, but it's also happening... Uh, more increasingly with women what what is is there something going on in bad policing not in your policing i know you're a great chief but is law enforcement doing something different or wrong um why the numbers i looked at the numbers and there are a lot of black women are getting killed man you know and and i don't understand you know, why the increase? I mean, and certainly you can go into uh, poor whites and, and these, these lower-income communities and things of that nature um, that that are also a statistic on these fatalities. But but with women, uh, Chief Green, what I mean, Chief Humphrey, what, what do you think is going on there? I think, you know, great question, L.A. I think what's going on is we're teaching officers. Officers are being trained to be paranoid and scared instead of being cautious, uh, instead of being cautious. And I think that uh, they are not understanding uh, that everybody's not a threat. Uh, and, um, you know, when you train someone, and we know that anyone on – Anyone on any given day can use any item as a weapon. But when you train someone that everything is a weapon, everybody's out to hurt you, uh, you've got to watch your back all the time, uh, we know, we understand to be cautious. We understand to be careful. But when you train a person to be paranoid, to be afraid, that when certain people, certain people who live in certain areas are more likely to hurt you than others, you do build that sense of uh, of being afraid. That sense of uh, I'm not, I'm going home. I'm going home. Uh, you know, I, I'm going home to my family. Well, we all want to go home to our families, but I think we're teaching people to be robotic. I think the I think the profession has gotten to a point where people are just robotic, and you know, thinking that every time it's going to be like this. Every time we don't, we're not teaching officers to be flexible, to be able to adjust. Uh, you've heard me talk about emotional intelligence and social intelligence, and we're, we're, we're not that. Uh, just by, you can tell by the sound of a person's voice, you know, some of the videos that you've seen, the inflection that they have in their voices where they're, they're scared, they're, they're, they're panicked. Uh, that's not a good mixture when you're coming in contact with people who may, uh, a person who may not, um, comply with you the first time or may not really understand what you're asking them to do. So I think it's it's more of we're teaching one way of policing and not a multiple uh, uh, method of doing things. Yeah, you know, I, I, talk with, 
Uh, okay, I, I was going to say I had talked with some uh, uh, a couple of people, um, and and their theory and it's it's an opinion. There's no factual points to it, but um, that you know, law enforcement is human. Human, just like you have, you may have gay, straight, wife beaters, drug addictions, whatever. There, you're microcosm of society. So. These are the things that take place. So if you have, this person has said, if you have law enforcement that are male, let's say, that has no respect for women and and treat them like whatever, then it may come into a police stop, you know. All right, you, you know, you know, spread them. Get, you know, I, I know that doesn't happen. They have a female officer come and stuff, but, but kind of, kind of treating them, you know, demeaning them, and then things go awry. Or maybe some, I've heard white folks say, you know, some of the sisters got too much mouth, which is, you know, that leads to um, uh, some kind of uh, confrontation. But as your colleague, uh, uh, Chief Humphrey, always says, it's about de-escalation. So what do you you think, uh, Chief Green, is, is going on there? Well, you know, just like uh, Keith said, it goes back to training. But one of the things you cannot train or untrain is a uh, this guy's attitude towards women. I mean, those are things that's already embedded in in this person's DNA, this person's attitude, and he can cover that up through interviews. He can cover that up through. Uh, talking to supervisors, there are things that supervisors or the department may not have picked up on before they hired this individual that he had these underlining uh, issues, especially dealing with women, because there's a lot of men who have this uh, this attitude, especially with black women, like you said. If a, if a black woman rebels and says something against them, then it's almost like, you know, it's the end of the world. How dare you speak to me that way? I'm a man and you're a woman and you need to stay in your place. Give me an example of that that happened in 2018 LA in Seattle where a police officer lunged into the backseat of his patrol car. Uh, The uh, black lady was already uh, in handcuffs. Uh, She became somewhat combative. Uh, You know, she had some lip. She gave him some lip, but he ended up punching her in her face, uh, broke several bones in her face. Um, The officer was fired for excessive force, but here comes the the police union. The lawyers went to arbitration, and uh, his termination was overturned, and so he gets his job back. But the Seattle Police Department was under a consent decree by the Obama administration that held them to a higher standard uh, of police, especially federal oversight. So, you know, there there was a lot of other implications that the Seattle Police Department had to deal with with that one officer uh, incident. But it just comes back to you're hiring men who some are coming out of the military. Some, uh, and then we've all heard about the the uh, the abuse that women are subject to in the military. 
So there is a lot of things that go into when you're putting these guys in police uniforms and they're dealing with especially women of color because, as we know, sometimes they don't tone their voice down and that becomes that makes that officer even much more aggressive and angrier. And it and it just seems as though you know we see the situation that the murder I call it no disrespect uh, in in Louisville with this young lady who just was uh, you know a first responder and and trying to help in COVID she comes home to get shot in her bed like shot dead like dead and and now they want to you know prosecute the guy and it's just between that I guess quick question for uh, you Chief Humphrey between these incidents um, and you seeing in this this new social uh, media this this area you know shows like cops and some of these other ones have gotten off got gotten to what you know taken off because they you know people not only it seems like from a civilian standpoint, they're glorifying the cops, and the cops are doing their job, but they're making them out to be super, super cops on these, it's like reality movies, right? And so people are watching this. And and at the end of the day, Chief Humphrey, I, for me, I want everybody to go home safe. If somebody speeds and they get a ticket, give them the ticket. If somebody breaks the law, burglarize, take them to jail. I want you to go home to your family, and I want that person to go home. So what is it going to take? What is this social media movement? Is it really hurting um, the image of cops on top of the fact that you have these bad cops that are not only doing bad things and killing us like slaughtering sheep on the, in, the, in the pasture, but they're also um, being exonerated? Like, okay, I I fear for my life. I shot the guy. You want to fire him as a chief. And then the union comes in and the mayor doesn't do anything, and he's back on the street. Yeah, it's, it's – I'll tell you, man, it's, 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 uh, it, it's very, very uh, interesting, uh, you know, that topic you just brought up. Let me, let me just say this. One of the one of the best things that happened to the criminal justice system, as far as getting people interested, has been shows like CSI and other shows. But then at the same time, you do attract a a type of person who is I call them adrenaline junkies who believe that this is what they're going to do all the time. And we've had kids that have gone through the academy, started out, and they realize that it's structured, that they realize that you're not going to be in these high-speed chases. You're not going to be getting the shootouts every day. You're not going to be able to put your hands on people just because. There's a such thing called, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the Constitution and things like that. And so you'll weed out a lot of people that way, but you, you still have individuals who still don't understand what the main purpose of law enforcement officers are. We're peace officers. And what has happened in L.A. Right. is that over the years, for years and years and years, uh, communities of color have said that law enforcement has been, a, has been abusive. Uh, and I've said this on the show before, L.A., they've been abusive. It goes back to the Rodney King situation. It goes back beyond that. And 
and, 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 you know, we've been telling you that law enforcement has been abusive. They've been oppressive. They've done this and then this. You didn't believe us. Rodney King video came out. And so now, you know, people are saying, okay, we told you this is going on. You haven't done anything. We show you the George Floyd situation, and, you, and this is still going on. When are, y'all, when are you going to get it? You know, when is training going to change? Well, the, it's not necessarily the training, but the training is there. The, um, you know, I look at the curriculum. The curriculum's there regarding de-escalation, regarding dealing with uh, communities of color. But what it is is you can't change a person's character. You can try and you can try and you can try and you can try. Yep. You cannot change a yeah. person's character. If, if I've yep. got a character flaw and my character flaw is that I have an issue with women, that's going to come out at some point. If I have a character mm-hmm. flaw that I'm abusive, that I'm a racist, it's going to come out somehow. The thing about it is, L.A., is that it, when it, there are times when it comes out, it's too late. Either, you know, somebody's suffering, you know, that's the sad thing about it. If I could just, yeah, Chief Huffman, I'm going to go to Chief Green uh, real quick, too. But if I could just uh, uh, add to that, you know, Rodney King, hell, in my hood, I grew up in the projects, man. We ain't trust no cops because they came in there, uh, you know, unrushing stuff, strong-arming people, doing stuff. We ain't bothering nobody. We're already in the hood trying to get through whatever. So you know we we don't we don't want them we don't black white whatever we don't trust any of them that's how that's how our hood was we it was like that but it's got to be difficult um, to to deal with that and and you know I'm in the media and people you know look at DJs and on air personalities and and news reporters a certain way in a bad light and stuff and a lot of it's warranted but that's not me so if chief Humphrey is not like that. That's got to be tough because if you ain't a bad cop, you're not a bad chief, you're not a bad law enforcement. The the problem seems to be that, sure, you got a bad apple, but you need to get rid of the apple. But the problem is the apple keeps staying on the job. That's the problem. Like, I know. He ain't going nowhere. That's the biggest problem. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. And that's that is well, the problem. And, that, and yeah. that's why you see in massive. That's why you're seeing massive payouts. That's why you're seeing protests. That's why you're seeing all the issues and the concerns. That's why you're seeing a lot of the nonprofits, the Black Lives Matter, pop up and and things like that because it it just appears that you can just wear a badge. I mean, this is the perception and and the reality that people have is that you can put on a badge and you're invincible. You know, he's going to yeah. get his job back anyway. It's a slap on the wrist. You know, there, what, you know, what do you have to do to be disciplined? What do you have to do to be fired? I mean, that's the that's the concern of the communities of color. Well, and, you know, L.A., this is something that I mentioned on our show Tuesday night is that, you know, you've got the bad apples, but where does the, the tree, the roots of the tree is bad, especially when you have a department that has a history of condoning and, well, you know, condoning may be a, a harsher word, but you have an agency who kind of looks the other way uh, when it's been reported that you have officers who are bad apples and they don't do anything or you have supervisors who look the other way, don't report it up to the higher uh, chain of command within the agency, and then all of a sudden when that officer does something, you know, fatal, and then all of a sudden determine that this officer may have had, you know, 17 
kind of certain complaints, but nothing was ever really done anything about it because there was a level of supervision who did not escalate that thing, those complaints all the way up to the top. So, again, some of that starts with the you have a bad Apple officer, but then you have the roots of the agency, which is embedded with systemic racism and things, just the culture of the agency. And there's a show that is no longer on, but it's on reruns, and I think it was a show that really influenced a lot of people to get into law enforcement, and that was the show Cops. And Keith, as you know, Cops showed pretty much everything, uh, especially in the beginning of the show, and they kind of tried to tone down some of that as, you know, toward before the show ended. But Cops was a show almost kind of like watching Miami Vice, the, the TV series. I mean, it was just, Hey, this is what we do. We're we're the police. You can just go out and you can rough people up, and that was the that was just how the show was. So you had a a a, a generation of people who saw that and who said, "Oh man, I want to get into that." Or you had a generation of people who were getting out of the military who said, "Well, shoot, getting out of the military, I'm just going to go from having the you know from this to this, and now." You know, I, I can legally get out here and treat people the way I want to treat them. Hmm. Well, well, you know, and then also, you know, when you talk about shows like Cops, the thing you have to look at also, they showed what they felt was going to get high ratings. And a yeah. lot of the stuff, people wanted to see excitement. People wanted to see people get slammed, mm-hmm. high speed chases, not the community stuff. Great point. Great point. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it's a reason. It's a reason. It's a reason why NASCAR is very popular. People, you know, people like. It's a reason why reality. People are miserable, so they want to see other people miserable. So people want to see that kind of. That's why reality stuff works. That cops was a reality show until this social change and this visibility stuff that happened in 2020 and and the the, uh, the slaughter of George Floyd and others. Kind of, they had to they had to stand down and do that type of thing. But I, I guess, too, to, uh, guys, before we get out of here, I guess a comment of mine is that, you know, we should, uh, again, black-on-black crime exists. White-on-white crime exists. So, but folks out there listening, understand when, when they throw black-on-black crime, if you live in a black neighborhood and you're a criminal, you're going to, what, rob black people because you live in a black So I'm, I'm not going to go that deep. But my point is that, you know, John Wayne can kill Indians on on show uh you know the you know the lone ranger and all those white heroes killing uh, as law enforcement or whatever the gunslingers and all that stuff we do it and then we're we we're deemed as you know you know uh either too black because it's maybe might have been a black person involved i'm talking about you guys or not not blue enough if you speak out so the so I guess my question to both of you quickly is in 2021 moving forward, especially under this Biden administration came out of the Obama thing, my brother's keeper, and the whole 21st century policing is black leadership uh, in terms of the 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 ranks where you guys are you know fraternals and stuff. Um, are they ready to to bring forth a progressive voice? And say enough is enough. We we're not go. We blue, but we black first. Like at the end of the day, Chief Humphrey, Chief Green. When you go home, 
You know what you are. So are, is black leadership ready to push forth and say, hey, we just not, I'm sure, you, you know, you guys have been doing it, but we're just not going to stand for bad policing or, or white nationalists or racists or people who want to, to put forth that in the name of the shield that you, you respect and you honor and you worked hard for. Oh, a thousand percent, L.A. Uh, Noble, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, is one of the most outspoken organizations when it comes to uh, the, the stance against police brutality. Uh, was very vocal about the George Floyd incident, has been very vocal about the Breonna Taylor incident, uh, has gone to Washington, D.C. and sit in the White House and been very vocal about uh, the outgoing president not doing the things that he should do and about the attorney general. So, yes, it is, it is happening on a daily basis. You don't hear about it because it gets drowned out. But let me, let me make it very clear that, that the, the Black Police Association's executive association of Black Police Chiefs throughout the nation are speaking out loudly uh, about uh, this type of behavior and, and, and demanding that changes be made in our profession. Yeah, L.A., and, you know, one of the things I think, you know, there's going to be a big difference in the uh, of Biden Justice Department that, that we have not seen in the Trump uh, Justice Department because the Trump Justice Department just pretty much went in and just basically said the consent decrees that were already uh, established with agencies, they just said we're not even going to honor those consent decrees. And if you, one of the things that has not happened in four years, there has not been a single police department under the Trump administration of the DOJ that has implemented a new consent decree against the police department. What they've done is actually went in and tried to say, no, we're not going to enforce that. That was Obama. We're not going to Obama and Biden. We're not going to do that. Well, LA, as a matter you know, of fact, uh, LA, and a matter of fact, we just got a copy. I think Virgil was included in that. A copy of uh, uh, the Attorney General's uh, pseudo uh, 21st century policing report. Uh, Three hundred and some pages, and the first thing that someone said was, "We haven't had a comprehensive law enforcement." report or recommendations for law enforcement in over 55 years and we just had one in 2015 but they go way back to 67 when Lyndon Johnson um, had formed a committee called the Kerner Committee so they, they totally ignored Obama's 21st century policing and skipped back 55 years and it's just amazing I'm interested in reading it to see what, what's being said well yeah, but before that- you go and I, real quick uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, I know my other guest Trev and Mike uh, Mac on the line and you guys appreciate your patience uh, for a second here but uh, go ahead Virgil then I want to ask you guys one last thing no I just want to just add to that that you know with the outgoing administration and a, a new coming administration, well, that is one of the things that when you talk about policing the police, the, the Department of Justice is there to uh, police the police, and especially on a federal level. So hopefully, you know, some things will be put back in place going into 2021 that will hold agencies accountable and where the community can can see that there is a federal oversight in making sure that agencies are doing what they're doing and making sure that they don't violate uh, any person's civil rights, whether you, you know, no matter what race you are. 
Right, and uh, as you know, you guys already talked about the Justice Department being different in this administration and uh, as opposed to the prior administration, hopefully this administration, this president-elect coming in. Um, and, and, and just like certain policies need to be um, universal across the board, state by state, I really think it has to happen. It has to I, I mean, I'm not law enforcement. You guys know better than I, but it, it seems that it should be that way. But final question for you quickly. Um, we we talked about some of the things. Uh, you guys talked about it on You and the Law airs on 7, uh, uh, seven o'clock on Tuesdays. You talked about some of the, the, the deaths and, and the struggles, uh, not only just law enforcement, but being a black man in law enforcement and being in positions of power and having to deal with bad cops and all this kind of stuff but it give, give us i want to end this year on hope give us something both of you that may take place because at the end of the day right now there's a lot of hurt covid19 destroyed and brought some people together a lot of different things but 70 million people voted for the guy who it really is not with us so let's just say i'm being nice so so there's going to be some tension, and, and, and within that 70 million people, Chiefs, there are law enforcement in there, right? There are guys that on the off, when they, you know, not working, they posting stuff and doing things. So give us something that we can hang our head on that maybe might be something positive that law enforcement and communities of color in particular can come together at some point. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. The the thing about the, the COVID pandemic has has caused a lot of police chiefs and their executive staff to sit down and, and talk to community leaders and come up with some game plans on what needs to be done moving forward to improve those relationships. Because you because you because you got a, you had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to create, a lot of time to reflect and sit down and have these conversations. So I, I, I'm going to always be optimistic. I'm going to be a realist because you're going to have some that aren't going to do it, but I'm going to be a realist that you're going to have some like myself and like Chief Green that are going to step out and do those things uh, and, and, and continue to fight toward making it a, it a better place uh, for law enforcement and, and all communities, especially communities of color. Well, and I'll just add to that real quick, L.A., is that, yeah, he got over 70 million votes, but I believe over the past six months with all of the protesting and everything that's been going on, you had over a million plus people who basically said the uh, the killings of minorities have to stop. When you have thousands and thousands and millions of people marching and protesting against the police brutality, that is a, a, a light of hope at the end of the tunnel that uh, communities are going to hold their police departments accountable. And I think that's something that we can definitely look forward to in 2021, uh, that communities are, are going to hold their uh, uh, local officials and their police departments accountable uh, to make sure we don't see another uh, 2020 with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and so many others that have been killed in 2020. Yeah, a lot of like I said, I started off this interview with a lot of black women have been killed in, in alarming numbers uh, lately. But at at the end of the day, like I said to you both, and I, I I believe that, and I am honest about it. I want you both to go home 
safe to your families. I, and you guys know I got a nephew just on the fourth, fresh on the fourth, and that's my sister's only child. So I'm praying for him that all you know and and everything you can just dealing with normal stuff that can get out of crazy you know domestic violence whatever. I want him to go home so my sister can sleep at night. You know so absolutely. Um, absolutely yeah. So I just appreciate what you guys do. Um, it's unfortunate. Thank you. you. You know the bad cops out there, but keep doing what you're doing. Keep your head up and head down. I always tell Chief Humphrey all the time. Um, God bless. Uh, Happy New Year. I'll talk with you on the side, the other side to both of you. And thank you for coming on this evening and sharing uh, what p- folks uh, want to hear and want to know. All right. Well, and, appreciate and happy you, brother. New Year we love, we year. love you, man. And, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, happy New Year to you and your, your family. Chief Virgil Green, Chief Keith Swag Humphrey. Their show comes on 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen at 646-929-0130. It's live at 7 p.m. Eastern Time in the evenings. Or you can go to listen to the rebroadcast at the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Welcome back to the show. It's the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill and uh, Carborough, North Carolina. It's L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us. Thanks for all uh, our guests, and Happy New Year to, to all. all. I want to bring my, my um, long-time friend and uh, co-host, colleague from BASN Newsroom, Editor-in-Chief. He is Tony T. Mac McLean. Happy New Year to you, sir. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, wanted to um, uh, touch on uh, some of the, the NFL stuff. Of course, uh, that Monday after the end of the, the year, um, you always have those those um, 
firings and then hirings coming after that to start with Anthony Lynn and, and San Diego's, I guess, iffy at best anyway. Uh, they let him go. You know, he he's only he was only the third, if I'm not mistaken, minority coach in there would make it four. Would you add Ron Rivera in there at, at you know, Ron Rivera, him, Mike Tomlin and, and Brian Flores, of course the other ones were interims. Um but winning record, made the playoffs a couple of years, um, you know, had a one year signing thing um in the off season this time, seven and nine. Guess what got him in a sense, uh, he, that, you know, they, they lost a lot of tough games over the last couple of years by, you know, a few points here. Um, did you think he deserved to get another shot, or do you think they made the right move? I would have liked to – personally, I would have liked to have seen him get another shot, especially since he, uh, you know, him and their quarterback apparently uh, get along, but – you know how it is in the NFL, unfortunately. And um, the thing is, who are they going to bring in? That's that. That's a, to me. That's almost the, the first question before you fire the person. Who are you going to bring in? That's supposedly better. If you're going to wind up getting, say, a, a retread or either a college guy that's trying to you know learn the game, you might as well keep um, might as well keep Anthony Lynn. But um, you know. Eh, it's it's um it's just you know they've had a revolving door in San Diego for a little while as well. I think this is going to wind up being their fourth or fifth coach in the last last few years. But the, you know, and the Spanos the, the Spanos family doesn't have a great track record of doing much of anything anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. so. Um, whether it was the father or, or now the son's taking over. Um, so I'm not really surprised with them. The Chargers haven't been relevant in, in quite some time consistently. But you look at Doug Marone and and um, uh, the guy in, uh, in with the Jets, his name escapes me, and Adam, no surprise Adam there. Adam, 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 Adam Gates. Yeah. Doug Marone has seven years. He didn't do squat. Mm-hmm. Adam Gates has, has been horrible in two places now, at least two. And, again, you look at it like when you compare a guy who leaves the, the Chargers with not too many Charger coaches have a winning record. He had a winning record, and he made playoffs. You know, uh, it just seems this, you know, this revolving type of double standard is, is always going to take place. Yeah, it's it's funny because it was, it was actually compared to previous. I guess you know, they call them Black Mondays now, but com- compared to previous Black Mondays, this was relatively quiet because uh, actually Gaze got let go uh, not too long after the uh, game ended yesterday. Uh, I, I saw. I guess uh, the only other major thing, you know, John Elway gave up some of his power. They're going to actually bring in the GM now. And he's going to, I guess he's going to be director of football operations. Uh, yeah, yeah something like that. He's got, yeah, whatever, he's whatever got a horrible job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it's, it's interesting because it seems like after all these years, they may actually have a halfway decent quarterback with, uh, the, with uh, the Drew Locke kid. Um, 
they don't have much else. I'm not sold on Drew Lock. I'm not sold on Drew Lock. He and he he's a very he comes across very immature. The way he the, the way he he put his team in jeopardy uh, uh, along with the other quarterbacks. Uh, you know, no no big mention about him being immature. Dwayne Gas- oh, Gaskins, of course, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, he's you know he's pretty as well. I think that the fact that he's actually you know, looked upon as a halfway decent quarterback just speaks to how lousy their quarterback situation has been over the past few years. You know, Peyton Manning withstanding. You know, he was Peyton was way past his prime when he got there. But um but yeah, a lot of this is just more on Elway. You know, El to be honest with you, Elway has done a very good impersonation of Jerry Jones, um in in regards to uh player personnel and, and, and what have you. But you know, they're they're to put it this way, unless uh the Chiefs wallow in mediocrity over the next few years, no one's gonna win that division anytime soon. Right, right. Uh you see the 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 Raiders with their struggles and I'm happy about that. I was hoping that uh uh they'd lose that game um uh, to Denver, but of course they pulled it out that John Gruden and Mr um love the white quarterbacks and and put down the black ones. No surprise there. Um, so you you look at the field, and a couple of teams, you know, kind of backed in. And when you look at um, the Bears getting in, I'm not sold on that quarterback either. Um, it, I, I really believe right now, you know, it, it's in in the NFC the the team with the the best shot and it, it's open it's wide open but the best shot just seems to be uh the Saints because of the balance they have on offense and and I think they got the better defense um the Rams might have a better defense but they don't have a quarterback so I think the Saints might be the 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 best percentage if you will of the NFC team maybe getting to the Super Bowl uh I'm biased I am still I know their defense has struggled most of the year but I but I will not I will not sleep on Seattle at all because they they've been there, been there done that. I know that the defense has had their problems but you know I'll go to war with Russell Wilson any day. Absolutely. I think though Russell this year for some reason I probably because their running game hasn't been up to par and like you said the defense hasn't been up to par has been putting a lot of weight on his shoulders and trying to press a lot to try to get things done. And um, it that that could be dangerous in the playoffs. I'll tell you a team I'm not sold on because they did this last year and they've done it before is the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, is the greatest one Super Bowl um, overrated quarterback to me in the history of the game. You might put Drew Brees with him too uh, because – he does this. Uh, you you punch them in the mouth, and they don't come back. And now they they got the they got probably the best wide receiver in football right now, uh, obviously. And the defense are playing a little bit better. But overall, I don't believe Green Bay is the paper champion. You know, the, the, without the championship, you know. Um, and I I don't believe that even with teams going into Lambeau, I don't think the home field is going to make make a big difference for anybody this year anyway. But going into Lambeau, I don't think – I think uh, a healthy 
like I said, New Orleans can go in there. Certainly Seattle can go in there and win. But I think Green Bay is probably the, the biggest fraud of the top uh, teams going in the uh, playoffs. Well, to their credit, they did beat the Saints. They did beat the Saints. Yeah, they did. You, gotta give them, you have to, I mean, I think this this way. I kind of lean toward what you're saying, but I do think that they're a little more balanced this year. And the thing is, their defense is much improved. Because I thought that, you know, their defense got exposed when uh, San Fran got a hold of them. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, I you know, they're going to they're gonna be in the mix. I'm not I, – I, you put a gun to my head, I still – I could see a Seattle going in there and winning. But um, I have a lot more faith in Green Bay than I do New Orleans. Because I just, I just, I, I think that they're just, and especially now where and Camara's, um, Camara's um, status for Saturday Not gonna play. Is, yeah. is, is still, it's still up in the air. And you know, yeah, they they whooped up on Carolina, but that was Carolina. You know, they're um, now granted they get the Bears, and you know we all know the you know we all know the Bears offense. You know, put this way. The biggest oxymoron in sports is Bears and offense. So, if, and, you know, <laughs> you know and, and, and Khalil and Khalil Mack can only do but so much. But um, now, nah, you know, again, put put a gun in my head. If it came down to the Packers and the uh, Saints, I, I I think the Packers would take them out, especially especially uh, at Lambeau. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be interesting that if if Kamara does play and play in the playoffs, he is uh, he is their Devontae Adams. He is spectacular, and um, I don't think just like I don't understand why guys don't these teams don't double team keep a safety on Devontae Adams all the whole game. He but you can't zone him. You can't man. You're gonna have to play. Uh, you're gonna have to trap him. You're gonna have to put two guys on him. But uh, teams don't do it. And to, and to their and to and, and 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 to their credit, you know the other wide receivers they're very underrated. I mean, you know Adams is taking it to a completely different level, absolutely. But that 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 receiver core there is not bad at all. It might it might probably it might be the most uh, unsung group of all the teams remain in remaining in the playoffs. I mean, you know Adams is clearly the marquee guy, but as a unit. They've been, you know, they've to, to a lesser extent they've carried that uh, Packer offense this year. Yeah, and they they run the ball a lot better too. So, um, yeah, they, it's you a, know, it's a, they did a little could, bit better. You could you could make the argument that their offense might be just as balanced, maybe even a little bit more than the Saints. But like I said, to, to start the the conversation about the Saints, I, I just think they have the best defense. You've got to be able to stop people and rush the passer and get and do it with four guys so you can drop seven back. The Saints are the, the one team in, in the NFC in the playoffs, I think, that can do that consistent consistently. Um, I think – and they, they're secondary. Good Lattimore and those guys are really good. So that, that's, that's the, the X factor for me. They all can mm-hmm. really score – but I think their their defense is good enough to 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 get make some plays and, and help the offense. Uh, I, you know, 
Ron Rivera was asked about, you, you know, the Eagles uh, using uh, Sudfield, the, the backup. They took uh, Jalen out last night. And, you know, he said, I'm not going to apologize for them putting the, a guy in. And then you look at a team like Cleveland, who I understand that Cleveland's one of the, uh, let me say it nicely, they don't win a lot of championships in that city. It's been, uh, if it wasn't for LeBron, they wouldn't have the, you know, the, the title there. I mean, you have to go back to Jim Brown and all that stuff way back for football. And then, of course, baseball, we know about the Indians. So, I get, you know, they're excited that they're in the playoffs first time in 18, 17 years or whatever. But, I, I mean, and I'm not just saying, that, you know, the Steelers play with backups. Their, their backup quarterback, who's normally a scrub, played well, and they almost beat the Browns. So I'm mm-hmm. saying that between the Browns and Washington, um, sort of winning ugly, but, but winning nevertheless getting in. Who – who would you say you would have more respect for getting it done um, the last game of the year? Um, probably Browns. Because here, look, Ron Rivera's got no control over uh, uh, Peterson. And, and, I, and I think, if nothing else, uh, this just rings true with what Orlando was saying, and it has been saying for the last two, three weeks, for the last month or so, in regards to uh, uh, uh uh, Doug Fresh down in uh, yeah Doug Peterson down in 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 Philly. Uh, for all the Giant fans and the you know other fans, uh, win games and you won't have to worry about anybody else. Okay, anybody That's who's true. gonna win that div- anybody who's gonna win that division was gonna be like was gonna was gonna look like a baby for uh would look like. Honest, they're having a baby for uh, Shabba Ranks. Plain and simple. Let's let's just be honest. It doesn't matter who was going to win. Either way, it was going to be ugly. Uh, anybody, you know, if the Giant fans want to whine about uh, them, you know, uh, playing Sudfield, win more games. Win more right. games, and then you don't have to. And then you don't have. Then you don't have to worry about it. But you know what? what you know why? Why win games when you can bitch and moan about it, you know, afterwards? Real quick, uh, uh, how far are the, are the Giants off of being good? I'm not sold on their quarterback either. I guess it's not, not sold night for me on quarterbacks, but um, he just makes a lot of bad mistakes. I know he's young. He can run the ball like heck. He's real fast. So he's going to make some mistakes. But, they look, if they're going to say that about him, it, I mean, Jalen Hurts, then they need to say that about uh, this kid, too. But, you know, their defense was top 10. You know, they, they get Saquon back, hopefully healthy next year. How far that's are they 10. off? And then with the – That's oh, – I'm sorry. I think, you just, I think you just answered your own question. You know, remember, they did this. Okay. They made the run without Barkley. So, conceivably, right. if you get 12, you know, 15, you know, 12, 15 games with Barkley – then maybe this decision is, you know, the whole you don't have to worry about whether Philly can beat uh, Washington or not. But um, yeah, I mean, on on paper, uh, they probably look to be better. I think the thing with them was they're probably out of all the teams that didn't make it, they were probably they probably had the best team of that, the best defense. I'm sorry. Of that division, yeah. Maybe, you, know, you can make an argument for Washington's as well, but I think the Giants as a unit 
was just a little bit better. They played. They seemed to play better as a unit. And now um, Young is going to get Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so because he's already you know, yeah. barring you know barring injury you know or whatever, he's going to be there for the next. He's going to be there for the next five ten years as long as Juan Young now. We all know that um, Snyder ain't the, ain't, the, ain't the smartest guy in the world either. So if he's not with DC, he's gonna be with somebody else. But yeah, he he looks like he's um, he looks like he's going to be um, an all timer, uh, even just in, even just one year in. Yeah, I mean they they got four that four that front four are all first rounders. They're all really good too. Mm-hmm. They all can run the rush the quarterback mm-hmm. and everything. So that I think you you got three teams in that division that are going to have uh, good defenses, and you know Dallas is definitely not in in that that running. Um, the, the, the Jets just seem to need not only just a quarterback but a culture change. They've been needing that since Joe Namath, by God, if, if you want to really say. But again, as bad the, the thing about the the rest of that team, I will say. Maybe not in New England. They didn't offensively get it done on on Sunday, but that defense, even losing guys and getting traded and everybody, they were still playing hard. So I, I think obviously they're going to have to build on the offensive line. They got to get a coach in there and then their uh, quarterback, but they got to get a coach in there. That's it's tough to change you know. the culture. Sort of like Rivera came in with Washington. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough when you're on the 25th year of your five-year rebuilding plan. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing with them. I mean, you know, even in the bad old days, the Jets have always had a pretty decent defense. They they they're sort of like the Giants of the 70s. You know, boring as hell, but you know that um, they're gonna beat up. They're gonna beat you up um, as you get. I mean, you know, it's a. I'll, I'll take uh, a quote of what uh, Deshaun Watson was saying today when someone asked him about what the uh, Texans need to do. They need a change of culture. They need a, you know. Yeah. They, you know, it has been so long since they have been relevant. And even, you know, even when even when that fraud Rex Ryan was there, I, you know, they were, you know, he was more of the show than the actual team to a certain extent. And, and, and again, that speaks to the frick that speaks to the franchise. They, you know, they just need a culture change. You know, I, they, I may be alone in this. I don't think Darno is all that terrible. I just, he doesn't, I mean, who are, where are their weapons? Who are their weapons? When you game plan for the Jets, who is, who are you afraid of? Right. Nobody. They haven't had a prominent running back since forever. They still don't have. And look, in this NFL, at the very least, you have to have somewhat of a a, a breakaway wide receiver threat. They don't even have that. And right. they can't. And they don't run the ball. I mean, they you know. They've got to, you know, they've they've got to be led kicking and scratching into the twenty second century because they're so far behind in everything. I mean, like I said, the defense will be, but but the defense nine times out of ten with a jet game, the defense usually um, wears down. Yeah, and 
we'll talk more about the um, the AFC uh, playoffs uh, another time. I, I want two quick ones, and then I want to go to baseball real quick. Um, out of the three quarterbacks, those, those rookies that came in, I mean, they're all showing that they can they could be really good. Um, but who's in the best position to succeed? That taken into the franchise give me the um, and taken into the coaching and, the, and all of that. Give me the three so I can because I because I need because <laughs> um I have an idea. Oh, I'm sorry. Who... Joe Joe Burrow, you know Tua and and Justin Herbert uh, in San Diego. I mean in Los Angeles. Remember Burrow got hurt, but he was having a great year too. Yeah, but it's since it's it's it's, it's the Bengals. It's the Bengals. Um, Tua. Tua. Tua needs, Tua needs a couple of weapons, too. I would say Tua going right. in. Um, I think if they stop jerking him around and keep uh, throwing uh, Colin Ferguson, McFer- uh, Mc, uh, McPherson there all, every time, let him play. He's got Look, I get it. He's a rookie, and he didn't play well yesterday in the big game. But I think he's been looking, you know, even when things were going good, they kept on trying to put, um, well, you know, uh, um, Fitzpatrick in there. And enough of the Fitzpatrick stuff. Let the you know, you know, like Ken Griffey said, let the kids play. Christ's sakes. Yeah, and, and Jalen Hurts, if if he gets some weapons, if he is the Philly guy, we don't know. It, it could be special too. He showed that. Um, you know, flat. He's a, he done turned the ball. He had the Dallas game was a bad one. He had three turnovers, but for the most part, touchdowns and he run the ball. He, he looks good. At the end, look, what the NFL has to realize is that you cannot. I mean, to a certain extent, Carson Wentz is is the old school big. You know. He can move a little bit. Now he's not. Now he's not. He can't move as much as he used to before the knee injury. But here's the thing: you have to have. You cannot have that six foot four, two hundred and thirty five pound statue back there. Now, I think Hertz will be fine, but I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to Orlando. I'm not sure if Doug Peterson is the right coach. Could be. It definitely could be that he he may not be the right coach. Um, I want to go to uh, some of the the free agent stuff out there. And uh, when you get uh, uh, Puig still out there, uh, and they're saying that the Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, and Marlins of of all teams are looking at him. The Yankees willing to spend more will get back to that I know he's been out of the game for a minute but he certainly before that showed huge numbers um what what do you think where do you think he'll land and how do how do you think how good can he be with the team you think he's going to go which 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 guy we're talking about again I'm sorry oh uh Pewick uh that played he was with the he was with um uh the Indians and the um, the Reds back in the game. Oh, you And, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
That's a tough one because um, that's a tough one only because, unfortunately, his thing, they don't talk about baseball when they talk about him. They always seem to talk about more of his antics. Uh, and, and and you seem to forget that he, he's still a pretty decent ball player. Um, right. You know, the Yankees don't need a, 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 an 18th outfielder. I mean, but, you know, I guess they're, they're always going to be uh, mentioned for every free agent, it seems. Um, I would think... Uh, well, to the best fit is if... You know, uh, if the Astros might be a good fit for him, I know. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Dusty, you know, you know, look, um, it's funny because Dusty has this quote unquote uh, image of not playing uh, um, uh, young guys, but, you know, Puig's not really a young guy anymore. He's, he's, you know, he's putting, he's got some tread on his tires now. But yeah, Houston might be a good fit for him. Um, I, it, it depends on the commitment. Are they, go, you know, is somebody going to be willing to um, give him, you know, a two-year with an option? Or because you know, see, what a lot of teams may wind up doing is just, you know, giving him just a sort of a, for lack of a better word, a Cam Newton contract. That's the only thing I feel. Well, especially and especially coming off of, you know, the whole. COVID thing where not everybody's going to really get paid and everything else. But, um, yeah, maybe Houston, uh, you know you know where he might fit in real well, although I, I don't know if they've got any more room left, is uh, the Padres. Wow. That would be nice. I just, I just don't know if they've got enough money left <laughs> because – I know, you know right. Please, between, I mean, between, they made some sweet moves, though. Look, just just between Darvish and Snell, that's going to take up a lot. And see, they've got – and see, here's the thing. Even with the trades, they still got a bunch of players on the farm that are, like, ready to – that could maybe be ready to play as soon as, you know, late this year, early next season. So, it's – it's um, yeah, it's I, – I hope somebody gives him a shot because I still think he can play. I, I really still think he can play. Um, lot of a lot of talent still out there. Do you buy into these again? Like you said, it's it's just hot stove talk, and people want to say these things. But uh, I've actually read it two places that the Blue Jays are willing to go to a 125 on Springer. Is he worth it? Do you think they'll do that? I um. God bless them if they do. Um, it's it's um. See, I had thought that they were. I, I had thought they had somewhat taken them. They've taken themselves out out of the mix because they because they because um because see the the thing with the Canadian thing the Canadian with the with the Canadian teams we saw it when you know with the Raptors whatever um that transition with your money um that 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 conversion rate is no joke you know right so. That's why it is so tough for them to get top of the line guys uh, as well. Um, I, you know, for the last, you know, put this way, uh, your your buddy Buster Olney has basically said, you know, he will sell his mother's and dad's farm if he doesn't sign with the Mets. So I'm looking up, put this way, 
when he signs with someone else, I'm personally going to um, take his old room and uh, live there myself after the Mets don't sign him. Because I just, I don't, I think so. You know, I think that I can see somebody like the Dodgers signing him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Dodgers would do something. They've they've gotten that reputation of grabbing a guy like but see, that. But see, um, but see, they've got to be careful because see, Bellinger's contract comes up and he's going to want to get money. Now, remember, they already gave Mookie. They've already locked up Mookie forever, which made sense. Which, which of course, uh, looks like chicken feed now. After you know, after everybody was saying, "Is he worth the money? Is he worth the money?" Uh, yeah, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 um team that probably needs to sort of put themselves into this, and I'm surprised that they've been sort of out of it. The Angels. Yeah, put they. Him, they know, put, I would put 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 him. You know, maybe not. You know, put him say in left field or right field or whatever with him and Trout, and you know, if they if they get if they ever get any sort of some pitching. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a little lineup there. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the intriguing guys out there, and this a, 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 we'll get to a couple of other bigger names, but is uh, the pitcher Tomoyuki Osagano, who uh, a, a few teams, I guess, including the Mets, were looking at. Now they again, we don't know if they are or not, but interesting that you know, do you think? I mean. You know, the Bobby Valentines and these guys, they knew Japanese baseball. They've been going over there forever. But the exposure of it on TV with COVID being down, baseball being down, them showing that, did, did, do you think that helped a lot of the players, some of the pitchers even uh, specifically? This guy was pretty good. He's he's mm-hmm. older, 31. But uh, did, did that TV exposure in the States help them in terms of uh, – uh, you know, the MLB looking at them to have that kind of talent oh, that yeah. can come and play in the league. That, 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 and also they've, you know, they've, they've performed. They have, they have performed, you know, uh, Shohani's, you know, uh, Shohani has definitely shown that he can play. Uh, we saw that uh, with the guy that the, uh, the uh, Rayoon with the uh, Dodgers and the, you know, I, you know, look, it's 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 tough for us to make um, sort of judgments because we don't get to see these guys play every day. I mean, we get glimpses of it, of course. Um, it's it's you know, this way. Everybody hasn't been Ichiro, but they haven't been a Dekiarabu either. Let's put it that way. They've been they've been a very very most of the players that have come over in the last five to ten years have been very very good ball players. Not not just right. you know you know they've been so so yeah you you, you um, I think the exposure helps, but I think for the most part they've you know they've lived up to the little bit of hype that they've gotten. Right, it's good baseball. I've watched a lot oh, of the oh, games. Oh, it's, it's, it's really good baseball. And see, the, the stuff that we've been watching has only been a small taste because of COVID. You know, let's put it this way. You know, the atmosphere at those games is, 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 is like night and day compared to Major League Ball. They're, those fans are into it. The only, other, the only other more passionate fans, I think, than them are uh, the folks over in the, uh, in the Caribbean or in the Dominican. Right. 
Yeah, and it, and it it I thought some of these players are doing some of the, the former American players uh, are doing like a lot of these former NBA players that are going to the Philippines and all these other places to play because that the they can make a decent living and and the basketball in this case the baseball is good. So I think that's that's uh, another part of it that sure, sure, their league doesn't get um, a lot of, a lot of credit for. The both you know look both of the both of the league both the NBA and major actually all the sports really maybe not maybe not hockey as much but they do get their foreign games in. But clearly, Major League Baseball, NBA, and definitely the NFL they've been pushing product overseas for for a long time and the funny thing is especially with the nba i think they respect the american ball players more than the than the uh, media folks uh here especially the nba i think they they respect the black uh stars there more than they than they get it from home but that but but again that being said it's you know there's always going to be a little bit of a transition but a lot the, the 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 biggest transition for them most of the time is off the field, not on the field. I think once they get you know, they're you know once once they get a feel of what the game is, it it becomes you know it becomes second nature. The biggest problem for most of these guys is 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 always more cultural than um than 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 the actual ball. Talking with Tony T. Mac McLean here on the uh, Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network, WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill and Carborough. Tony, Trevor Barrow, we mentioned Springer, LeMayhew, Osuna, uh, Simeon, Nelson Cruz, Gregorius, Tanaka, Paxton. These are all these names that are still out there. Are you surprised by some of them? Not the big, I know you said you don't look for big deals, but but these guys are still out there and and you know who's the best of the best on the list i just mentioned Fowler is probably the best um starting pitcher left um I, i'm i i personally would like to see uh hendrick sign with the mets but, but I, I it looks like they're going to try to do it more so it looks it looks like the kid from um the twins is the guy they're gonna sort of set their set their thing on with. Um I think Lindor is still the best everyday guy. My I, I, I take Lindor over Springer strictly because Lindor is younger. Lindor and I think Lindor because he's a shortstop and because he's so versatile it's um I, that, that that's why I think he's a, a lot more a, a attractive um, but no, I'm not, I'm not surprised that the guys are still out there. It's, it's again, it's just, it's, it's, we still have to realize just how weird this whole season and off season is, 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 is still is. I mean, I'll put it this way. I would be surprised if none of the big name guys are still not, this is way. I would think most of the big name guys are going to be signed before they start playing spring training games. If they're still out there after they've started playing spring training games, then I'd be a little surprised. But I, I think they're gonna you know, they're gonna wait up until the last they're gonna wait until the last moment to do it. And and also these guys have got to bring their prices down. They've got to realize that 
you are not going to get, you know, you're not going to get Garrett Cole money. That's not going to happen. You're going to get a nice contract, but you're not going to get a Derek Cole contract. Right. And and then I think you you're right. It, it, and it's it's upon the guys to to talk to these their agents and say, "Look, you know, I mean, look look at Cam just with him. He he didn't know and and of course now they're questioning if he'll be even be a starter. He's like he's not sure he wants to be a backup, but if you overprice yourself and do some different things, then you might be, as we say, asked out. And in baseball, I mean, this is a pretty impressive list of guys that are still out there. I mean, that you can really do some damage um, hell, it, with these guys. Hell, hell, look at look. I mean, you know, you got to remember also the, the, the quote unquote second tier guys are, you know, um, who you know. You're really trying to tell me that D.J. Gregorius has lost a step? I wouldn't say that. That's what he's uh, – again, you know, I, I just I – mean, first of all, I hated he wasn't a, no longer a Yankee. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just – you know, that you can't tell me that guy can't play and uh, at shortstop for a team and, and, and put the numbers up and play well. I mean, I, I, I just – I don't I can't believe that. I'm, yeah, yeah it's, it's – see – when it, when when some when we have something unprecedented like this, yeah, the you know, look, you know, the Springers, the Lindors, and whatever, they're gonna get their money. It may not be you know right now, but see, it's those second tier guys. It you know, Nelson Cruz is a perfect example. Now Nelson Cruz, unfortunately, if now they're already, I think they've already said that there's not going to be a universal DH this year, which I was really a you know, sad about because I I would like to see it. Um, I would like to see them finally join the 21st century and have the DH in both leagues. But um, Nelson Cruz is uh, he's already got some age on him, and let's face it, he's one dimensional. So he's basically only got he's he's only got basically 15 teams that he could possibly play for. So when it, when the market is like this. It's doubly, it's double for him now. You know, now Didi can play either league because you know because of uh, he's this ball player, and he's not one dimensional. So that's that's another factor in 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 why it's it's just it's tougher for the quote unquote second tier guys because they may have to wait until the you know it it may be the season may have to start before they actually get. A, a legitimate offer. Yeah, it's it's like having a million dollars in the bank, and the top guy goes <laughs> goes against nine hundred thousand, and somebody else come, and then they, the the second tier guy comes, and he, you know, well, damn, where all the money go? You know, exactly. but I also think it, it, I also think too, Tony, this is a a reason for owners to be owners. COVID, you know, we're not going to spend all that money with COVID and all that stuff happened. We're not going to spend the money. They, a reason for them to, to go on the cheap if they can, they will. Mm-hmm. And see, the players are like, we don't mind you going on the cheap, but we're going to get a full season in this year. And see, that's still, see, last year, because of the timing of it, they had to, you know, in a sense, uh, acquiesce. Now, even though, depending on what part of the country you're in, 
Um, some places have digressed or whatever. But as of right now, as of um, the day that we are, you know, taping this, spring training is scheduled to start on time for what all it's worth. But, again, a lot can happen between now and February uh, 12th. And, you know, we've been critical of, of, of this this game. We love this uh, baseball. And, you know, some of the ways they handled the whole COVID thing. But, you know, they try, they try to hype the NFL. They didn't cancel one game. Yeah, but the Steelers and Ravens and everybody else gone playing seven days later. Than that. They didn't cancel one game. All 256 mm-hmm. were played. Baseball did a really good job, especially in the playoffs. Um, and handling it. And I, I think, you know, they, they should, they, they, they should get they, right on the back. But they missed, but they, but see, but see, but they, and, but they, they, the, the, the last, the, the last act was, 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 they, they, all the karma, all the good karma that they put together, uh, blew up in their face with the whole, um, Kevin Turner. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. That, that was stupid of him and irresponsible. And, and see, and 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 to the NFL, it's sort of like, yeah, it's like if you have a favorite restaurant and you like the food and everything like that, but you may not want to know how they how your food gets there from there to there. And that's the thing with the NFL. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah yeah you finish too. Yeah, yeah, you finish the season, but you know, also but they don't you know this was also the first time in NFL history where football was played on every day of the week this year. So, mm-hmm. so let's, 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 and now let's, they go on the 17 games. So, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they, they, you know, they've been doing that, you know, they, as we'll see, that's just scratching the surface. You know, they want to do 20. They want to get rid of, they want to get rid of the, see, the one thing that they're going to hang their hat on is they don't want a preseason. They want you to pay up, you right. know, they want you to pay yep. for all, they want, they want 20, they want a 20 game season. They want yep. a twenty game season because at that point. Because if they do twenty, then they can tell the fans, "Hey, this is not preseason. You got to pay top dollar. These are yeah, all regular season go. games." There you go. There you go. And and even with the expand, you know, even with the expanded playoffs, which is going to be kind of cool this weekend because you're going to get a basically you're getting a you're getting two days of triple headers, which is kind of cool. That, that you know, I, I, that I, you know, that's that's cool. But um. You know, don't you know? Don't make it out like you know you split the atom here. You yeah, you finish your season, but you know, don't 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 um and ask the Saints um if finishing the season was fine with with uh, with Camara possibly missing uh their playoff game. You know exactly. And I, I I hate to say this, but I got a feeling. Someone else important is going to, uh, for oh, some absolutely. team, is going to get. Yep. Wouldn't be surprised. No, wouldn't surprise me a bit. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. But um, you know, but see, let Leo, I, um, let Leo, let them enjoy their little, their their, their little fake uh, um, chest bumping. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's, see, let's see. Let's see. Let's see them get through. Let's see them get through this weekend. Okay. Let's see him get through this week. Right. Let it let it happen to Tampa. <laughs> no. <laughs> that will be the gift that keeps on giving from a standpoint of uh 
uh, that well, guy they, who they, plays they, well, for. They want to. They want. They look. There's no doubt that they want to. That they would love to have. Uh, you know, they would love to have Giselle's husband in the Super Bowl in Tampa. Of course. Now, put put of it this course. way. They're gonna. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get Steven Spielberg and M Night Shyamalan. And August Wilson and every they, they, that, that's going to have to be one hell of a screenplay for them to get him into the Super Bowl. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. They, I'm not. We, we'll get into picks another time, but I'm I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington beats them as well. So, um, well, you know, that's who they play. The, um, the last the last two teams that got into the postseason with a losing record, they won their first game. That's right. Yep, Seattle oh. and and uh, well, I, and uh, you know Washington has a chance to do it as well. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, baseball broadcaster uh, John Siambi, uh you know, been with ESPN for a minute now, uh, taking over the play-by-play for the Cubs, um, joining Jim Deshays, who I I, I liked as a, a, a player, um, uh, and, and you know, it, it these these broadcast teams, it's. You know, I've really watched a lot of the Cubs games going back to Harry and then, of course, with his grandson and, and you know, Skip will pop in there. But it, it, it just seems as though a lot of the – I'm not saying anything against this guy, but a lot of the, the, the real great voices um, are going. It's just well, – that's the thing that – just having a nostalgia moment when you think about some of the guys that we loved. Whether even well, if you didn't you love uh, you didn't love the Yankee guys, but I love the Yankee guys, and you know I I like Ralph Kiner, and you know a lot of these guys that is gone, it's just not the same. It's it's just it's just well once you know, like look, 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 look elephant in the room. Once Vince Scully died, you know I'm not died, but I'm God forgive me, I don't want to kill Vince Scully. But once he retired, um. Look, I personally always make it to try to catch Dave Sims um, in Seattle. Uh, I, 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 I stomached through some national games this year so I could get a chance to listen to uh, Bo Porter. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, there isn't – let's put it this way. There isn't anybody where I'm, like, rushing home to listen to or watch the games, and that's including my guys. And I like Gary Cohen. I I I genuinely like when it, when it's when it's when it's when it's Cohen, uh, um, Ron Darling, and Hernandez. It's okay, you know. But see, I was spoiled. I grew I grew up with Lindsey Nelson, Uncle Bob, and uh, and and Ralph. So I'm you know I'm always gonna there's always gonna be a little bit of a drop down. But Gary, but no no. Gary Cohen, Gary Cohen is 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 fine. I have no problem. You know, Gary Cohen's okay. Howie Rose, that's he could, you know that that's another that's another two hour show in and of itself. Yeah, I, you know the, the the interesting thing, in all honesty, I I tend to like the Mets announcers, um, TV and radio over the Yankees. Except, you know, I I do like uh, Bob uh, Sterling, but. But I do you're like a, that. Well, that's because you're a masochist. Uh, that's because you're a masochist, though. <laughs> it is hard. It is fun. But no, I it mean, I, I do. I I really do like uh, Cohen, Darling, and Hernandez. 
they they got really good chemistry. They really do, especially Hernandez mm-hmm. and Darling, former player teammates and stuff. And so they just joking around, but they well, tell the game and they break down the game. They mm-hmm. both could break down pitches and hitting because they knew the game. So I, I like them. I like that. I like Darling, that group. You know, I really Darling, do. You know, Dar- and, and you know, and Darling does a handful of national uh, broadcasts now for uh, CBS, especially you know you, you heard right. him a lot um, during the playoff. Yeah, Darling's fine. You see, you know, Darling, Dar- you know. Darling, uh, you know, he takes that, you know, thinking man approach, you know, by being the Ivy Leaguer that he is. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good listen, you know, put this way. Um, Gary, Col- Gary Coleman, Gary Cohen learned at the feet of uh, <laughs> Willis? Bob Murphy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what you talking about, Bob? Right. Um, but now, yeah, I like I like Bob Murphy. He was a hello, you know. Yeah, Bob yeah, Murphy. Yeah, like, you can like hear I the said, smile through his through like radio. Uncle Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uncle, like Uncle Bob. You know, you know, Uncle Bob, Uncle Lindsay, and drunk Uncle uh, Ralph Kiner. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that, Ralph. Oh come on, Ralph was good. <laughs> him and him, him and Harry, right? <laughs> put, put, but you know, put it, uh, put, it, put it this way: it took him. It took him five years to stop calling Gary uh, Gary uh, Carter Gary Cooper, but you know what the hell? <laughs> Gary Carter in his in his uh, uh, spare time was an actor. That's what it was. So that's why he thought mm-hmm. it was Gary yeah. Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pride, but Pride, you know, yeah, yeah. he did that. He did that PBS movie, Pride, is, Pride, of, Pride of the Mar- Pride, Pride of the Mariners. Yeah, Hernandez is is good too. I mean, by the way, one of the most underrated hitters and defensive players in the game. But um, should, he's good should too. Be in the hall of, should, be, should be in the hall. Of, should be in the hall of fame. But again, that's another two-hour conversation for another time. Yeah, I I, I do I do think that he should be. Um, final question: uh, Switching gears, in the uh, NCAA already announced that they're gonna play all the uh, tournament games somehow in Indiana. I don't know if they're doing men and women. I didn't read all the story. <laughs> but can I go ahead and give my standard answer? Absolutely. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. What is it? January 4th? March Madness? Right. Okay. okay. And we just saw um, an HBCU who escapes me. I don't know if it was Alcorn State or someone just uh, Al- postponed yeah, Al- their Al- basketball. Alcorn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alcorn. Uh, well, they they shut down their activities, but um, yeah, man, look, this is you know this way. They you know they they should be so lucky as you know they're they're gonna have the same success as the NFL does. They're gonna probably go kicking and scratching right down to. The- we didn't game. the NCAA. We didn't cancel one game. We didn't cancel one NCAA. game. We canceled 150 <laughs> of them. <laughs> they try to yeah. be like the NBA, I guess, the bubble thing or whatever. But well, you know, like you said, it's a wait and see. Even even now, they've got the opportunity. You know, they made such they made such a big thing about you know about you know super wild card weekend. Okay, great. Now when now when somebody drops super dead, then what? Yep. I'm just saying. And, man. and, 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 and then you really up the creep. Yeah, yeah, but see, but see again, 
you know, uh, what was it? What's, what's it? The kids say, you know, they're, they're smell, you know, they're going, they're, they're smelling themselves this week. So okay, we'll see how you smell on Saturday. Yeah. Tony, my friend, as always, we, we'll be talking shortly, I'm sure. But I uh, appreciate your time, as always. We'll talk on Thursday, man. Thanks a lot. Take care. And, uh, oh, wait a Thursday, right? Thursday, right. Absolutely. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> on that note, Tony T. Mac McLean, of course, BASN Newsroom. We'll see is definitely – what uh, we'll have to look at with some of these uh, pro and, and college uh, leagues and teams. If you missed any part of our broadcast, please do go to our website, the bachelor news uh, radio network.com, the bachelor news radio network.com. You can hear the interview with uh, myself and, and Tony uh, on there. And while you're there, you can check out all the other shows that we have uh, and uh, enjoy. We will talk with you very soon. Be safe in this COVID continuing times. And we'll talk with you very soon on the Bachelor News Radio Show, on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough.
like me. Son, this is the one for you to be with. But when I'm caught all alone, I start testing. It's a state of depression. And then the thunderclouds of doubt move in. I begin to wonder.
pending. I hope you receive the love I'm sending. Watch this. The best message that your body is sending yeah, I can tell you on it too What do you want to hide? Do you feel inside? It's too late to turn back now Yeah, but it'll touch it me so much So just let me show you how Your body can lie to me Cause I know just what you need Your body can lie to me So we need some sense of me have the remedy for the act, me have the remedy for the brain, me have the agony for the body to make your total like a tree and a remedy for the act, me have the remedy for the, me have the agony for the body to make your total like a tree and a extreme love that you cannot complain, I'm the only man you don't stop calling me name, I'm like the blood circulating by pain, if it's somebody you just allow me name. My career says things to me places where you've never been before. The edge of your desire I'm coming up to you want and more and more What do you want to fight? Turn out the light Come let's make tonight the night More than a No resistance Love is assistance Come let's make it right tonight So, so, hey. me up the remedy for your heart Me up the remedy for your brain Me up the all on the sea Your body to make your total so like a tree And your hey. remedy for your heart Me up the remedy for your brain hey. Have the all on the sea Your body to make your total so like a We would talk. 
Everywhere 